Thanks. If we want to build the future, we're gonna need something. Like a high-speed internet connection that can turn my ideas into reality. Like the skills to become the world's most powerful coder. The resources to make more films with people who look like me. 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 Like the tools to start my sustainable shoe business. Way more space to collaborate. Yeah, that's better. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to open doors for the next generation so they can build a future of unlimited possibilities. It's Not Your Fault is a podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people navigating the world and its challenges. Here's your host, Brandon Jones. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of It Is Not Your Fault, a teen mental health podcast. I am your host, Brandon Jones, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about a report that came out on teens from the Center for Disease Control, also known as the CDC. And it's important for us to discuss some of the findings of this report. This report was a 10-year study, and they're releasing the results. And I think this is important for all parents and caregivers, teachers and educators, and young people to be aware of some of the bigger trends that we're seeing with youth and what they're dealing with and how this involves their mental and emotional health. And I'm going to spend some time over the next few podcasts really diving into this report because when I looked at the table of contents and then I started reading through the material, many of these issues are issues that many parents and caregivers struggle to talk to young people about. And if these are the pressing issues that folks are seeing, researchers are seeing, and we ha- and we already have a stigma of, of not being able to talk about it with adults, we're in big trouble. <laughs> so why? what better place but this podcast to start having these conversations and start dealing with these issues? Um, and what better time than doing it than now? We know that our children need us more than ever. If you've been a listener to this podcast, you know I talked about the um, the state of emergency that was put out by our Surgeon General on adolescent and teen mental health. Um, or ch- sorry, children and adolescent mental health, and they deemed it at a state of emergency back in October of 2021. And now we're starting to dive deeper into that state of emergency and understanding, well, what are these things that are causing this mental health state of emergency for young people? And what we found out is that there's four core areas, and then there's some things that are that we're seeing steadily increases on, and we're going to talk about each one of those over the next few podcasts. So I encourage you to subscribe if you're not subscribed and definitely share this podcast with someone that you care about because we're going to deep dive into some of the things that are putting young people at risk. And unfortunately, some young people are already struggling with these things and are already at risk. So we're going to dive into those. So let's talk a little bit about this report. The actual title of the report is Youth Risk Survey, Data and Summaries and Trends Report. And again, this survey was put out by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC. So in this report, let me read the executive, let me read the opening to the executive summaries so you can get a nice taste for what this report's all about. 
the Youth Risk Behavior Survey Data Summary and Trends Report from 2011 to 2021 provides the most recent surveillance data as well as a 10-year trends on the health behaviors and experiences among high school students in the United States uh, related to adolescent health and well-being. These include sexual behavior, substance use, suicidal thoughts and behaviors, experiences such as violence or poor mental health, social determinants of health, such as unstable housing and protective factors such as school connectedness and parental monitoring. We also highlight disparities in these important outcomes by sex, race, ethnicity, sexual identity, and sex of sexual content sexual context. This report, developed by the Center for Disease Control, also known as the CDC, of Adolescent and School Health, they call the Division of Adolescent and School Health, they call that DASH, D-A-S-H, to highlight the National Youth Risk Behavioral Survey. Also, they use the acronym of YRBS, which is the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And this is data collected every two years amongst the national uh, representative sample of the United States high school students. So what they do is they send researchers all across the United States and they gather this data uh, from the high school students. So the high, so you know they, they'll get various different information, demographic information, uh, referrals, reports, uh, things of that nature, and they compile it into this DASH survey that they do every year or that DASH does every year for the YRBS survey. Sorry about that. So DASH's vision is one where young people in the United States have the knowledge, skills, and resources for healthy adolescents and adulthood to work towards the vision DASH has. They have these principles that they like to do to work towards, um, you know, a healthier outcomes for young people. Uh, they like to maintain a high-quality surveillance systems, which means that people are paying attention to the needs of young people. Uh, they, con they conduct and they translate scientific research that helps young people develop and grow. And they support school districts in implementing quality health education, establishing systems that connect students to the needs and services and create safer and more supportive environments. So Port, people like myself <laughs> who are nerds and get and dive into this stuff so we can help translate it back to uh, many, you know, community folks who don't look at research and topics like this. This is why these are these studies are important because it keeps us informed at what's going at. And like I said, when I seen this, it just came out hot off the presses. When I seen this and I looked at the table of contents and I seen that the areas that people are struggling with are all areas that parents struggle to talk to their kids with. I was like, oh boy, this is something that we definitely need to dive a little deeper into. Uh, let me just point out a few of the highlights from and the key findings from this report. And then I'll talk about each one of the trending areas as we close out the podcast today. So one of the one of the key findings was this. It says, unfortunately, almost all other indicators of health and well-being in this report include protective sexual behaviors including things like condom use, sexually transmitted diseases, uh, testing, so STD testing, and HIV testing. The experience of violence, mental health, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors worsened significantly. So over the time period of 2011 to 2021, 
they have found out that sexual behaviors, experience of violence, mental health, suicidal thoughts and behaviors have gotten worse for teens in the last, well, really, this is 12 years now because it takes time for this research to get published and put out. But we know that in the last at least 10 years, the sexual behaviors, the mental health, the exposure to violence or experience of violence, the suicidal thoughts and behaviors have gotten significantly worse for young people. So that's one of the key findings from the study. Another key finding was this. As we saw in the 10 years prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, mental health among students overall continues to worsen, with more than 40% of high school students feeling so sad or hopeless that they could not engage in their regular activities for at least two weeks during the previous year. A possible indicator of this experience of depressive symptoms we also saw a significant increase in the percentage of youth who seriously consider suicide made a suicide plan or a suicidal attempt, or they attempted suicide. That may scare a lot of you. When I read that, you know, it kind of is a gut punch for someone like myself, because you don't want 40% of high school students coming to a conclusion that their life needs to end, and that's a better situation than living. That's almost half of high school students. That should feel like a gut punch to many of us. And I'm not telling you this to, you know, be scared and lock your child in their bedroom uh, and take and strip their bedroom full of things that may be sharper dangerous. No, I'm highlighting that there's something going on where our young people are feeling hopeless and are really struggling with depressive symptoms where suicide is even an option for them. And this should be something that, you know, we definitely need to consider as we move forward. <laughs> Some key disparities that they found. So let me just highlight this. Across almost all measures of substance use, experience of violence, mental health, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors, female students are faring more poorly than male students, which means that females, uh, female-identified students are struggling more than male students are. These differences and the rates at which female students are reporting such negative experiences are stark. And it goes in and it talks about, you know, nearly 30% in 2021, nearly 30% of female students drank alcohol during the past 30 days of the survey. That, that's a lot. <laughs> that's almost a third of female students are drinking alcohol in high school. This is not college. This is high school. Um. Let me see if I have one more key disparity to pull out here. Here's one more. Uh, school connectedness defined in this report as feeling close to people at school has a long-lasting positive or protective impact for adolescents uh, well into adulthood on almost all behavior experiences included in this report. In 2021, female students and students of color, LGBTQ plus students, and students who had any same-sex partners were less likely to feel connected at school, indicating less protection for these groups. So as we know, marginalized groups are not just marginalized in society in general. They're also marginalized in schools. So that means there's a lot of work for us to do. And as I mentioned, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really use this as a tool to lay out the next few episodes of this podcast. And we're going to focus in on this because these are the things that, you, that young people are dealing with every day in high schools all across 
the United States. And this just is, this isn't just high schools and urban cities or public schools. This is all schools. They're all dealing with one of these elements or another on some basis. Now, some may be dealing with them more far drastically than others, but this is definitely something that's showing up all over the place. So let me highlight the four areas and we'll wrap up the podcast and you'll know what's coming down the pike in the next few episodes. So the first focal area was sexual behavior. And what they looked at was, you know, young people who are having sex, young people who have more than four sexual partners, young people who are currently sexually active, young people who are using condoms during the last time they had sexual intercourse, um, how effective they felt like condoms were versus uh, using birth control, being tested for sexual transmitted diseases or HIV. Now, some of this may sound scary to you. You're like, what does that have to do with mental health? Well, <laughs> sex is a part of human behavior, and some people use sex for coping. And if not willing to have that conversation with the young person in your life, you may find it very difficult if something happens and they don't have an answer for why it happened. It was something what I mean, something sexual happens. Someone gets pregnant, someone gets an STI, STD, or you just find out they're engaging in sex. It can be risky sex or just casual, you know, sex that they enjoy. And as a parent, that may scare you, but you have to be able to be informed enough to have an approach to talk to your young person about these things. So that's one focus area that we will dive into in a later podcast. The next area was substance abuse. And what they looked at was, you know, current use of substances or alcohol, current use of marijuana. They looked at uh, electronic vaping. They looked at people using illicit street drugs. They also looked at the misuse of prescription opioids as well and current prescription opioid misuse. So have they ever popped any, you know, uh, painkillers or opioids and things of that nature? So substance use is another area that this report focused on. The next area was experience violence. And here, I'm glad that they did a a wide range of what violence is. They looked at um, people being threatened with weapons at school, uh, people who did not go to school because they felt like their safety was in jeopardy, so they had concerns that they would even be safe at school. They looked at what they called electronically being bullied, so cyberbullying or people being picked on or exposed on social media. They looked at people being bullied at school, like physically in person. They looked at people who've ever been forced to have sex or coerced to have sex. They looked at um, sexual violence by anyone as well. So they they had a wide range of violence encounters and how young people respond to those. The next area that they focused in on was mental health and suicidality. You know, we talk about this on the podcast almost every time. And what they looked at was uh, people who felt uh, sadness or hopelessness, people who, young people who thought they had poor mental health, people who considered suicide, people who made a suicide plan, people, young people who actually attempted suicide, and then people who were injured in a suicide attempt. So they went really deep. They asked some good questions about um, suicidal ideation. That was one of their main focuses for the mental health section. And then the last area they talked about were emerging trends. And this is where, you know, I'm going to really, you know, spend some time in these areas to really get people to think about what this looks like in their communities. But they looked at school connectedness. Do you actually have people that you feel like you trust and have your back at school? Parental monitoring. This is something I get questions about all the time is like, how do I monitor my kids' behavior? How do I support them? And then unstable housing. 
You know, we have children who are in foster care. We have children who are highly mobile, which means that they're in multiple different places at one time. We have homeless youth. We have youth who um, who are just on their own. They don't have any parental or caregiver guidance. There's a lot going on. Uh, and all that talks about is, you know, people being unstable and that instability can lead to a lot of dysfunction, a lot of confusion and frustration for a young person and, de and definitely does affect their development. So with all that being stated, I'm going to wrap up the podcast and I'm going to I'm going to post a link to this report on our Facebook page. So go over to Facebook, go ahead and subscribe to It's Not Your Fault, a team mental health podcast. Go ahead and like, like the page. Um, we'll make sure that this is accessible there. And then, as always, um, if you want to reach out to me, maybe you have some questions about this or maybe you want me to send this report to you directly, feel free to go to two places to connect with me. The first place always is ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Again, that's ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. And from there, if that doesn't work out for you, you can always reach out directly to me on my own website, Jegna.org. That's J-E-G-N-A.org. J-E-G-N-A.org jagna.org feel free to send me a message and i'll make sure that you get access to this new report and again we're going to spend some episodes talking about this because this is what young people are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis so for parents and caregivers great information for you for the young people that watch the podcast it's good information for you as well because you're seeing and dealing with it all the time with your friends maybe even with yourself and i hate for you to deal with it alone and not feel like you can't get some information about it and hopefully encourage you to talk to an adult that's in your life about it. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Remember, it is not your fault, but it may be your opportunity to connect and to help a young person who is in your life. I am Brandon Jones. This is It Is Not Your Fault, a teen mental health podcast. And we'll be back again next time. Peace. To check out previous episodes of It's Not Your Fault or to learn more about Brandon Jones, log on to ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, and it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. When I walked across that stage at my high school graduation, I was excited, but confused about my next step. Then I walked through the doors at Doherty Family College. Doherty Family College is part of the University of St. Thomas. It's a two-year college that lets you earn an associate's degree and puts you on a path to your bachelor's degree. Classes are small, so I have a personal relationship with professors committed to my success. Like the name says, they treat us like family. They call us scholars because they believe we could do anything we put our minds to. They set us up for excellence with free tutoring, and that's not the only thing that's free. Laptops, books, even breakfast and lunch, and bus fare. That's part of the package here at Doherty Family College. It's even free to apply. So do like I did. Go to dfc.stthomas.edu and set up a tour. We'd be excited to welcome you to our family here at Doherty Family College. Racial covenants had structured every aspect of life. Keeping black people in black spaces. Slavery's history is Minnesota's history. So much of working towards racial equity is around telling our own stories. You know Shaletta makes you laugh. 
But did you know Shaletta Brundage can also make you think and boost your business? Media personality, activist, and comedian Shaletta Brundage founded Shaletta Makes Me Laugh to celebrate and share the best of black culture. It's a podcasting platform. You can download 10 weekly podcasts hosted by African-American subject experts at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com is also a production house creating broadcast quality commercial content. And Shaletta and her team of storytellers create powerful promotional campaigns to get businesses the brand awareness they're looking for. Some of Minnesota's top businesses trust Shaletta, and you can too. Get out the word about your events and products and get in front of communities of color with ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. She's got the power to help your business. When you're running your own business, it's exciting to imagine what's possible and overwhelming to think about how to make it work. You need a banker to help meet challenges and make the most of opportunities to grow. At Bremer Bank, we understand that success is always a team effort because right now, relationships matter more than ever and understanding is everything. Find out more at bremer.com.